This show is part of the Planetside Podcast Network. For more information, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. And thank you for listening. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, where we discuss topics we believe require some critical and nuanced thinking. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at saythiscast at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at saythiscast, and go to saythiscast.com to hear previous episodes. So you don't like bread. I don't. I haven't had bread since I was like two. That's like better for you in general. I would love to go keto because I think it'd probably help me with a lot of like my issues with regulating food intake, but just I can't do it. A bitch (laughs) likes bread. A bitch fucking loves bread. Motherfucker, I can't. A good baguette. It's over. It's done. (laughs) Fatality. I fucking love bread. I can't fucking do it without bread. So you want to know what I fucking hate? Vegetables. Vegetables suck ass. I mean, agreed. But and we're adults, so we can just fucking eat what we want. It's great. But like, if I, if you were in a in a crowd or something, right, and mm-hmm. I just chucked a baguette, you would be like, fuck everything, and just take off after it. It'd be like that episode of the Boondocks with the chair. <laughs> If I'm hungry enough, I I would fight somebody for a baguette. <laughs> just there's a baguette just in the street, like on a, a like ciabatta. A... Mm. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, no. But you're like lucky you don't like bread. It's like not that good for you. You, I I, I gotta say, you are. I I cannot remember the last time that I that I told someone that I did. I I don't like bread. Like vehemently, I don't like bread, and you were the first one that was like, "Good." Like I can't, I can't yeah, with that. Well, like good, me, fuck it. Like, like I can't do t- it, but good for you. Run from it. It's the Listen, it's demon. So I don't like sweets. As a child, I didn't like cake or anything like that, and I kept on going to people's like birthday parties. And like before, I had a sense of autonomy and knew what to do about it. I would just like eat cake and be disgusted by it. I really don't like any sort of sweets very much, unless I'm like explicitly in the mood for them. Mm -hmm. So I've had a lot of experience with people treating me like I'm fucking subhuman for not liking (laughs) food. Like and like basically, I've trained myself to eat sweets because. Americans don't trust people who don't have a sweet tooth, but it's like I won't ever like shit on somebody for being like, I don't like this very popular type of food, because I'm like, frankly fuck you, it's taste is a matter of principle and frankly, like, not liking what everybody else likes isn't a fucking bad thing. This is why we get along. Yeah, I just (laughs) fuck you candy fuck you chocolate I I fucking hate chocolate oh my god I can only have like one tiny piece of chocolate every five months and like I'll crave that piece of chocolate yeah and then I'll have like half of it and I'll be like okay so I'm good for five years right that's happened to me like you you, there's like a food that you haven't had in a while like like and then you go and you have it and you're like why did I do that it's like Plato's cave that like I know that I love this thing but wait I love the thought of chocolate but I don't love chocolate itself. Getting philosophical in here. It's too <laughs> it's too rich. I have a problem with rich foods. I can eat one bite, and if it's like super decadent, then I'm like, okay, I'm good. So you just like anti-bougie. I get it. It's cool. No, I'm like actually <laughs> very bougie. I've been I know. My own pick- <laughs> I've been making my own pickles lately. Um, oh my and god! Like, I've been really into mustard as a condiment. I oh, like wow. the funky stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. I like it when it's vinegary. I like it when it's like kind of tart wow. and weird tasting. That's my aesthetic. Weird tasting food. <laughs> <laughs> Shit that is like undeniably weird, but still kind of slaps. <laughs> I just eat chicken. And I feel... That's I fair. Feel, sometimes you feel bad because I'm... Lo- black guy that eats fried chicken all the time and I'm like am I contributing to a bad (laughs) like like a stereotype 
<laughs> but then I'm like, wait, fried chicken is fucking awesome. What? What is the problem? Everybody likes fried chicken. The only people who don't like fried chicken are, um, they're fine. Yeah, I mean, I was waiting. I was like, what is she going to say? Because she just said she wouldn't judge anybody on their food choices. That one's weird. That. That's one's, that one's like weird for me. What, I don't know. Chicken? Like, I won't, I won't like judge you actively to your face, but I think that it's weird because that's like one of those things that's like universally like very delicious. But at the same time, I have a thing about decadent things mm. and I really don't have that much trouble imagining somebody who would have a general issue with fried things mm -hmm. now if you don't have a general issue with fried things and you just don't like fried chicken that's where i have questions <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean fried I chicken just, can I be incredibly decadent i know Ugh. um but at the same time it's like i don't know there's something Sweets are just bleh, gross. It's kind of like, <laughs> so gross. like, it, it's kind of like people that like the prequels. Like, I'm not going to shit on them for liking the prequels, but I'm also not really going to trust them as much. <laughs> I have. Yeah, I, I I have questions. I guess I'd like to. I'm like curious just because it's a little bit weird. About what? Um, when I like people don't have questions when I say I don't like sweets. They're like. You fucking monster. <laughs> How dare you not like sweets? Are you some sort of health nut? And I'm like, no, because I consume my weight in like meat products and mustard. But okay. Just out of this, out of the, the jar, mustard. <laughs> no, I'm not that type of person. I like, I like a good mustard on a piece of like bread or something like that. Or like, a hot dog with some mustard. Wow. I think that it's a good fucking condiment. I like a mustard-based sauce for my fried fish. <laughs> I just like mustard and like pickles, vinegar, vinegary things. Mm, so that's so like salty and sour things maybe for you. Yeah, salt. Yeah, so like when people are like, I don't trust you because you don't like sweets, and I'm like, oh, don't worry, like salt is my is my sugar. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I will still end up with a heart problem because of my affinity for salt. Don't you fucking worry. Like, <laughs> I'm like with you're it. not going to be the only one. Like, I might not be di diabetic, but I'm most certainly going to fucking die. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, hypertension don't worry. is in my future. <laughs> hypertension is in my future for sure. Don't worry about that. Like, <laughs> chill your ass out. <laughs> I'm good. I, I will have something. I'm gonna have granola. That's what I fucking want. Before Jesus. I just need to pour myself a bowl. I'm dying. <laughs> I will be right back. Oh man. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to a very special episode of I Shouldn't Have to Say This, the chaotic good podcast where we talk about politics and stuff and things Woo! you will note that our story had nothing to do with what we'll be talking about today and that's because it's our first anniversary and we do what we wanna yeah Woo! i'm gonna put in like some some party noises here right here yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's down cody Ugh. okay cody <laughs> Uh, so I thought that it would be nice since we've been doing this for a year to look back at the last year of content that we have put out into the world and call ourselves out for when we were either wrong or not educated enough and point out where our opinions have changed on content that we've put out in the past. Because it's important every once in a while just to revisit the things that you've said and the things that you say. And in a podcast format, all of that stuff is just kind of out there. And so in order to not look as dumb as I possibly could, I would love to revisit those topics. I mean, yeah, it's it's I think this is uh, it's good to to talk about this stuff because nobody is completely right. We are as close to right as you can get, I think think you'll agree with me nicole but uh we are not 100 percent right all the time so 
everybody should have a point of self-reflection and a point where you think, was I right about this? Yeah, we're all on a journey. And there are certain episodes and certain topics where my opinions on them change like literally every week because the internet discourse is cursed and moves <laughs> really quickly. So I'm going to call out what episode I disagree with and I'm just going to say why. To start off, real clean and simple with our second episode on out outrage culture. That is an episode that we had to record twice because I wasn't happy with what we recorded the first time. And it might surprise you to know that I wasn't happy with what we released the second time. That surprises me too. Yeah, because the discourse around cancel culture is super fluid and kind of sucks a lot. And the reason why it sucks a lot is because cancel culture is not really a descriptive term anymore. It doesn't refer to anything. All of the things that we said in that episode describe things that happen in the real world, but calling them cancel culture doesn't really do them justice. Because when individual actors use that term, you don't really know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, when I say cancel culture, or please don't cancel me as a joke, that's a lot different than J.K. Rowling bitching about how she doesn't like any meanie-weenies telling her that it's not okay to perpetuate an anti-trans agenda. Particularly when, if you call out that she's perpetuating an anti-trans agenda, that she will threaten you with legal action telling you that you have to take that shit down and not exercise your free speech or else she'll sue you for slander. What the hell? That, <laughs> that, that's a very different type of cancel culture that she's describing than what all the rest of us are and way different than what leftists would use it for. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of gesture vaguely towards meanings that you think that it that it might apply to, but at the same time, it's so confusing that it's worthless to even use. It's something that's been so thoroughly perverted that I don't think that there's any real utility to even discussing outraged culture. I think that you should discuss the things that it was used to describe. So, in other words, when we're using terminology, it's only helpful if you say something and you immediately know what you're talking about. Like, if I say chair, you know what a chair is, generally speaking, what it's used for. And then we can have a conversation about chairs from there. I don't have to explain what I mean by chair or what, like, the physical object of a chair is. When you say cancel culture, there are about 52 questions you have to answer about what kind of cancel culture you think exists. And then you have to argue about if cancel culture exists. And then you have to just talk about what the true meaning is. It's just it's a it's worthless. You're always behind <laughs> the eight ball when you try and engage in that sort of discourse. So I just think it's better to not. So uh, I'll try to call out the the episodes that we're actually talking about. We're talking about episode two, the efficacy of outrage culture. And that was actually one that I was thinking about, too, because because of the fact that we re-recorded the, the entire episode, because one like we recorded one and then you said, no, 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 I've changed my mind about that because it doesn't exist. And I'm like, OK, when I I was listening to both episodes like but like like when i'm editing both episodes like the the idea of outrage culture actually kind of expanded because like you said like it can mean multiple things and there's then specifically when we're talking about cancel culture and outrage culture and how those how those are two different terms but they're kind of intertwined you know and like you said, like the the language is fluid and it doesn't always mean the same thing all the time. So that kind of expanded my thinking on on cancel culture, because at the time I was like, yeah, cancel culture, you know, screw that guy. Usually a guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when you expand that and it's weaponized or it's misused, that's actually adjusted the way that I argue or debate people on outrage culture or cancel culture yeah. or whatever it is. 
Yeah. Also, I've become increasingly uncomfortable with the with the term just in general discourse mm-hmm. because you'll be talking about some real shit and people will say like cancel. One week we were talking about how Jenna Marbles got canceled and her past problematic behavior. I think that none of it was dark enough that any that like it was kind of light enough that cancel culture could be applied to it because it's kind of a kitschy pop term Mm -hmm. even at its worst incarnation however then a week or two later shane dawson was getting called out for literal sex crimes against minors and people were calling it cancel culture and i'm like no that's just like (laughs) holding somebody accountable for sex crimes yeah it's i was actually uh like arguing with someone and they were they were talking about like cancel culture and how it's how it's terrible and how and i'm like it's just telling people that you're that they're saying a dumb thing and then not purchasing their media anymore yeah which is something that is your personal right to do yeah i really hate how people are like you can't do that and it's like yes i can if i don't like somebody and i don't like what they say i don't have to be friends with somebody that i don't like yeah so I don't have to buy products who that I don't want to fucking buy. Like, that is actually my right as a consumer. <laughs> yeah, and if you try to organize people and say, we don't like what you said, we will not buy your thing, that's a boycott. It's just a boycott. Do you know what a boycott is? You know, so... Yeah, they, and sometimes it doesn't even rise to that level. It really Sometimes doesn't. it's just a bunch of people commiserating over the fact that they're uncomfortable supporting somebody. It's not really like a cultural movement to try and get people. Now, I do agree that there are a lot of pearl-clutching-ass people who will, like, complain if you support somebody who said something problematic or some shit. Mm-hmm. And I don't really agree with that, but I also feel like... A lot of conflation happens where we conflate people's individual choices to do things with some sort of cultural movement. (laughs) There's no shift. It's just more visible. Mm -hmm. It's the internet. Like, everybody has a voice. This has been happening to people for all time. It's just more visible now. It's just you can see what what is happening. Instead of just this group of people standing outside a store saying no, <laughs> it's everybody online. So yeah, that that I shifted my my opinion on that definitely, and that kind of goes into the the next one I was thinking uh, how we use language on the left. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting because language is always something that I've I've always been really interested in, and. Using language either as a weapon or being laissez-faire with language. Both of them really upset me. <laughs> but the tactical use of language is something that I I don't think about a lot. So I thought that was that kind of adjusted my thinking about that, too. Yeah, about like the language thing, I think that the tactical use of language is important. And I think that I tried to argue a little bit too zealously for never abandoning terms if they're still useful. And I think that I was on that kick because I was saying that I don't think that we should abandon cancel culture. And obviously, I've changed my mind on that. I really (laughs) think that we should abandon cancel culture. I think that there are terms that can be perverted to the point where they're no longer like descriptive and as soon as a term loses its descriptive meaning it's no longer worth using just based on the fact that if it's no longer descriptive then it's no longer useful to you it's a line that you really have to walk like if something Mm -hmm. is important if something like uh your your main example is identity politics Mm-hmm. And that is, I, I think that is a very important term just because the, um, just because it's, it's an important term and it's an important idea, but letting it become corrupted and letting it become something else and language is fluid. That's how language works. You know, you can like, I try to really not to be pedantic, but I can be pedantic all the time, but I have to remind myself that language is fluid. Language changes and and evolves. 
but there are some mm-hmm. terms that you need to kind of hold on to because they're ideas, they're cultural ideas or they're political ideas or ideals that are so important that you have to protect that those terms. Yeah, like libertarian. For me personally, mm-hmm. libertarian has been thoroughly perverted by right-wing demagogues, yeah. and yet the most descriptive term to, to describe my political leaning is like left libertarian still. Mm-hmm. And though people might get the wrong idea if I say that initially, it's important to me to use those words. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... You know, there there are um, charts where uh, where it's like libertarian versus authoritarian. And when you say liberal, just liberal, that that meeting has changed as well, uh, especially in the last like couple of years. But just the term liberal has has very much changed in the language of especially the farther left. Now you have the word leftist instead of and and like 10 years ago, people that were on, like on that level would probably say that they're left or, or liberal. Yeah. It's it's also important to emphasize the difference between leftist and liberal. It's yeah. so important. It's incredibly yeah. important. Yeah. That's something that I've started to do actually. Mhm. Like I don't know how I would describe myself, but I know leftists and that and having a word for that uh, especially in our political climate, is vitally important. Also, there are a bunch of pearl-clutching Republicans who would like the entire Democratic Party to be seen as socialist leftists, which isn't productive for anybody but them. Yeah. So what's the uh, th- the next episode that you're thinking about? Um, the next episode uh, was episode nine, which I believe was sectarianism. Mm-hmm. Sectarianism um, versus progress. Yes, I believe that I was unclear about a couple of things. So I just wanted to revisit it really quickly to say it's of vital importance to recognize that not everybody who can recognize a problem is your ally in fixing that problem. For instance, Nazis think that capitalism is a problem. They think that the liberal elite is a problem. They believe a lot of shit that I would agree with wholeheartedly. But 100% of their solutions go against everything that I believe. So we can't really work towards a solution. Now, if we agree on if uh, the Nazis want to fucking do a universal health care program and I want to do a universal health care program and they're not going to make it weird and only affect white people, then we can do that. But if they want to, but if we're talking about destroying the class, the class structure and like putting something else together, I would want something that's horizontal and not hierarchical. And they would, and they would want to subjugate all people of color. So uh, libertarian versus versus authoritarian. Yeah, I'm anti-authoritarian. Um, this also applies to like tankies. Tankies want to create a vanguard party to put the fucking working class to lead the slovenly working class to. <laughs> Give me a second. Yeah. My mother is such an angel. God bless her. Also, your mother is uh, like on a CB radio. She's uh, we have an intercom. <laughs> My God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. OK, so we're sorry. We were. Yeah, whatever. What were we, we were talking about. Um, You were talking about tankies, I think. Oh, right. Yeah. So fuck tankies. I don't remember where I was in the sentence. There was an interruption, which John will surely edit out. But I hate them. And tankies want to unite the slovenly working class of the United States and the world underneath a vanguard party to like face off against the ruling class and to oust them. I think that they're wrong. And the reason why I think that they're wrong for believing that the working class need a vanguard party is because... Everywhere that's had a left-leaning revolution led by a vanguard party 
has not reached the tenets of fucking socialism very quickly at all. So we can see that in Cuba. We can see that in the USSR. We can see that across Europe and across South America, it usually ends up with the Vanguard Party becomes a class of its own. So like Marxists would see the capitalist class, the bourgeoisie and the working classes do two different parties. This Vanguard Party becomes a class of its own that works in its self-interest and its self-interests are separate to that of the working class. And so they start amassing power underneath themselves and not giving it away to the working class like they promised in the first place. But by this point, the working class is in no position to fight against them, just like they were in no position to fight against their capitalist overlords before. So I don't think that that's a viable solution to our problem. And so even if a tanky and I both believe that capitalism sucks ass, I don't want a vanguard party and I think that it will lead us down the wrong path. So I don't want to work with them. They're diametrically opposed to my worldview. Authoritarianism won't get us anywhere meaningful. Being anti-authoritarian is one of my guiding principles. I'm going back on it a little bit because coronavirus has kind of (laughs) at least as the world exists today we could not go to an anarchist society oh god no but i don't believe that people need to be led i believe that if the people don't come to the revolution quote-unquote organically then power will always end up being held by the few rather than the many so Even people who are aligned with me, I can find different disagreements that make it impossible for me to work with them. I think you mentioned that in the in the episode, like you have to if if there if there are disagreements, like you have to make sure that you are working with people so you can't just like kick them out if you disagree with them. But if your disagreements are so intense that it would disrupt the work, then you have to rethink should person A be in group B. Yeah, I think that I needed to restate it a little bit more clearly. Just agree on solutions with the people you work with. Sectarianism, when you agree on the solution to a problem, is not appropriate. But it's not sectarianism because they aren't part of your group if they don't agree about what needs to be done. If somebody wants a vanguard party and you don't believe that a vanguard party will lead to socialism, you should, you're should you not in the same group to begin with. So it's not really sectarianism to try and get tankies out of your community, you know? Mm. Similarly, if a Nazi like thinks that capitalism is a fucking problem but hates black people and thinks that the Jewish elite is the one that's making it a problem, they're also not your friend. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> oh, I know, it's man. crazy. It's so, it's so crazy. Ah. <laughs> uh, so which one, uh, which one, uh, what, which other one were you thinking about? Oh, I have a couple. I mean, I know that I before have... we started recording, um, you were talking about the episode 15 at the crossroads of empathy and ethics. Uh, and yeah. you said you wanted to talk about that a bit. I'm interested in what you, what has changed in your opinion sure. from that. So in terms of the empathy argument, I made the argument that I don't think that empathy is always the best origin when making public policy decisions. And that is a difficult argument to make as a leftist, because it's also an argument that callous fucking right-wingers will make in order to excuse things like leaving minorities in a fucking economic pit in order to let the majority of whites continue to survive. This is something that, as we're recording this, Ben Shapiro was fucking talking about. And when I heard him talking, it mimicked what I was saying just a little bit too fucking closely. Oof. Is it like a facts versus feelings? Facts doesn't care about your feelings kind of thing? Yeah, he was saying that empathy impedes our ability to come up with good policy, which was a little bit like what I was saying, but I do not believe it to the degree which he agreed, which he was making it. Mm. So I want to go to an example to just kind of draw attention to the difference here. 
Personally, I believe in some manner of reparations. But, and if I were to be empathetic to the needs and wants of the majority of people within society, especially during this fucking pandemic, if people wanted it in cash, I would, and I was deciding on how we should get those reparations to them, I would need to give it to them in cash because that's what I think the majority of people would want. But I don't think that that's the best way to do reparations because give a man a fish and he eats in a, for a day, invest in his community so that he can acquire long-term wealth and property and he eats for a long time. I think, and also reparations can just be taken by your fucking landlord. I think that there are more, I think that there are far more effective ways of getting aid and economic development and policy prescriptions written that don't rely on giving spendable cash to people who are in dire economic straits. The majority of wealth in the country comes from people's estates. So for instance, if you own a house and you make a certain amount of money, and then you take a guy who doesn't own a house, he rents, and he makes a certain amount of money. It is a fact that the person who owns the house will have a higher amount of wealth than the person without the house. Right. The majority of wealth is in your property, in what you own, your estate, and what is given to you by the generations that came before you. If somebody has a rich fucking aunt and they give you money, then all of a sudden you have a windfall of money and probably maybe a, a state. You got stuff to spend, as opposed to the person who doesn't have that, who has fucking nothing. Due to various types of redlining and also banks doing either predatory lending or just flat out not lending to black people, Generationally, black people have been able to accumulate less wealth and haven't been able to engage in as much property ownership as their white counterparts. Yeah. And if there's one thing you know about United States law, the country is set up for property owners, not for renters, but property owners. So if I had the keys to the reparations chest, I would do projects to try and set up housing to give people houses just build nice houses in either revitalize communities where they already lived, revitalize homes that were already there, or create new communities centered around a place where they could find gainful employment. And then I would give them the fucking keys. That would be one way I would do that. That might not be the knee-jerk thing that most people would have wanted when you say, we're giving you reparations. But it is the thing to do from a dispassionate, logical framework. That's the way to accumulate wealth. So there's the difference. However, I believe that logic is useless if it does not stem from a place of empathy. Dispassionate logic doesn't serve anybody. Because on the other hand, Somebody who's being dispassionately fucking logical in the United States uh, using a utilitarian framework would never give reparations to black people, despite the fact that this country fucked them forever. Um, they, would, they, they would never do it because it doesn't make any sense from a utilitarian perspective. You need to have empathy and a sense of sentimentalism in order to figure out why it's wrong that black people have less wealth than everybody else and why it's wrong that you continue to let this population limp along economically after shooting them in the leg 32,000 times over the last 200 years, you know? Yeah. So it's very important that logic exists when we're talking about certain things, but equally as important to make sure that that logic is firmly based in a empathetic worldview. I think that that is emblematic of our podcast in general, because there are, there are nuances and there are, are lines of thought that people don't really think about. You think about reparations, everybody thinks immediately goes to cash payments. How are we going to do cash payments and who's going to get them? Blah, 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 blah. And you don't really think about other ways to apply reparations. Anytime we have a topic like this, 
any of our topics, there is a line that you have to thread, just like with language, just like with internet boycotting or what, however you want to describe it, because we need words. <laughs> but uh, anything like that, there is nuance. Like we said, like we say in our description of the podcast, there is nuance that needs to be discussed. So I think that what you're talking about with with reparations for like with investing in communities versus cash payments and how to apply those is kind of uh, a good example of just what we do. We try to be empathetic here, but we don't make arguments based solely on emotion. We think about what makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I personally really try and base most of my arguments in data or some sort of systemic view of a situation rather than my personal experiences with it. Mm hmm. So, yeah, that's just something that I wanted to make absolutely sure that I drew a firm distinction because <laughs> it's really important that we don't, like, abandon empathy as a concept. We need to put it in its place and use it sparingly. There's a difference between um, relying on empathy and using empathy as a tool. Mm -hmm. You look at policy and you look at how how that policy will treat people. And you don't look at that just through numbers and graphs. Uh, you look at it how it would affect the the people that it covers. You know, like there's a there's an ordinance in a city that says you have to pay parking tolls with a card. That makes sense. Most people have cards and it's easier for everybody, but some people don't and that'll screw them over. Having empathy for those people that don't have uh, bank cards or credit cards is not a bad thing, but you can't just think about them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when people try and counter broad systemic changes that would benefit the ma majority of people by saying but this small business owner would be fucked by this and i'm like i don't care what the fuck what argument fuck you, that like, guy what argument like that's an argument against uh raising the minimum wage like oh the the business owners is like yet yeah, you need to pay your people if you can't pay them, you can't have a business. Maybe you're overstaffed. Figure it out or close. <laughs> I mean, I know I know uh, a couple business owners in the area, like small business owners, and they uh, like I know uh, the owner of a comic shop that was here. I loved that store and everybody was happy in that store and all the employees loved that store. But because of the raise in payroll funds and the uh the costs associated with it because they wanted to pay their people a good wage they had to close and there's there's the there's a the thought like yeah these people need to have better paying jobs then people are like yeah but what about the small businesses and you're like we need to figure this out you can't just say because this thing will be bad in the interim this good thing can't happen. Yeah. And also there are certain things where it's like, if you're getting evicted, um, if you're one of the many people who's being threatened with eviction right now because of COVID-related layoffs, they're telling you, damn, guess you should have planned ahead. Guess you can't <laughs> afford rent, motherfucker, damn. And it's like, guess you can't afford to have a business if your business model doesn't fucking include paying for people to live. Damn. Looks like you're fucked. Damn. <laughs> oh, you should have what had a shame. three months of payroll ah. saved up. What are you doing? Damn. Looks like you fucked it, bro. Good job. Looks like you don't get a business. Free market. Damn. <laughs> Invisible hand. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have a but, do you have another episode that that um eh. I think that's yeah, where I, I want uh, I had internet blood sports. It was really quick. Yeah, yeah. They're fun. <laughs> I think that it's fine. I think it's fine to cut your teeth on on like 
arguing with motherfuckers online so long as you know that you're playing to an audience and you're not sliding your way into a bunch of like bad stereotypes about leftists. But I think that it can be fun and I think that it can be productive because people like shows of strength and power. I've been increasingly convinced of this um, in internet discourse. So like when you dunk on somebody and you really make them look fucking stupid and you ruin their life, like I think it's fine. I, I, I think that you should yeah. also weigh that against your if it's damaging your psyche, don't fucking do it. But like if you enjoy it, go off. <laughs> I go do I it. I kind of disagree with that. I think that when participating in that sort of thing, it kind of erodes away like a, a overall point that you might be trying to make. Because you're spending your time like dunking on someone and showing power, like showing strength, which in the short term, I think would gain gain you some clout and and then people would listen to your arguments. But over the long run, then people might might look at your arguments and say, oh, well, this is what it like. Yeah, this if is you're, a, if you're this is wrong, like baby's first debate. I think internet blood sport. It's like you you go into YouTube, like the YouTube comments. You wait in there and you start and you start arguing with people there. But once you get your feet under you, uh, and just like dunking on them, then I think you move away from that and start actually arguing with the people in a more productive way. I don't disagree with that. I think that you should always fight, that you should always argue and have good arguments. If your arguments aren't both valid and sound, you fucked up somewhere. (laughs) If all you have is a dunk or like, I also feel like sometimes we can shit on people who don't feel like arguing with something that's stupid and just say like, you're a fucking dumbass. <laughs> like sometimes people don't want to like do a whole thing. And I think that that's appropriate. That's fine. If you don't want to argue with somebody, you can call them a dipshit and block them. I don't care. Right. Um, but <laughs> I do think that there's validity in showing strength mm. because I think a lot in, well, I think just in general, people don't care about who's correct in a debate setting unless you're in a formal debate setting. They care about who came out of the debate looking smart and strong and who came out of the debate looking weak and unable to hold themselves. So like if you can make somebody look like a fucking moron, oftentimes that'll resonate more with an audience than if you are correct, but giving your argument in a dry way. That's by no means to say that you shouldn't have hard facts backing you up. But at the same time, if you're on the internet, people want strength. People want quips. People don't want, and I am going to reference these studies. Um, <laughs> and these will, like, they want you to call him a dumb fuck and go and dab on his argument because it wasn't sound or point out clear logical fallacies on his side, which isn't to say that you shouldn't use facts and logic to dunk on him, but like, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, I mean, that, that reminds me of, uh, presidential debates now, uh, starting with, uh, Nixon versus Kennedy. Um, if you if you look at the the history of presidential debates before before that, that was the one of the first televised debates uh, in politics. Before that, you would have radio debates, and people would just listen to how how the president sounded and what they were talking about. But when it's televised, you also have that X factor of how they look. Nixon was like sweaty and pale and uh and looked just nervous and Kennedy was just younger. The and, Chad Kennedy yeah, and the Virgin Exactly. Nixon. The Chad Kennedy and the Virgin Nixon. But that is not the entire reason why Kennedy came out better in that in that debate. There are many other reasons, but that is people point to that as the first time that, you know debates started to evolve into what we have now just dunking and uh people with quips and trying to to have sound bites you remember when julio castro tried to do that sick dunk on biden and then was kind of sort of wrong oh like he mischaracter he mischaracterized what biden said and i'll even say that as a biden hater but we're reluctantly riding with him riding with biden 
It's a good one. Um, but anyways, he dunked and it was a sick dunk. It sounded pretty cool at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, because my IQ points are a little, my ba- my brain is a little bit bigger than a lot of people. I said, I don't think that's what Biden said at the time. And then later on, it w- was literally not what Biden said. <laughs> and he looked stupid after the fact because he dunked without substance. Mm-hmm. He dunked and was wrong. You don't want your dunk to backfire. It cost him. It cost him a huge. Um, yeah, people thought that he was rude, and I thought that was stupid. But at the same time, that was an ill-advised, incorrect dunk mm-hmm. that just kind of missed the mark completely. And sometimes that's worse than if you don't dunk at all. So if you're not great at dunks, don't do it. <laughs> sometimes you dunk and you break the backboard. Sometimes you dunk and it and it pops out of the basket. Mm-hmm. And you're you're trying you're trying just the the point isn't just to dunk and look cool for the cameras. The point is to dunk and wear away at your opponent, I guess, at your opponent's yeah. uh, point or their overall structure. <laughs> like you're trying to yeah. you're trying to uh, make them weaker on their argument it's not just about dunking them and then and then saying look what i did it's also about like showboating for the audience run circles around them yeah but you won't but you won't be very fucking showboaty if the next thing out of their mouth proves you wrong so like you're (laughs) you're the point is to look strong if you dunk and and they and you're incorrect and you get called on it you'll look stupid so it but dumber than if you had never done it at all. So just walk that line and be aware of the fact that you're playing with fire and you need to know what the fuck you're doing. So maybe just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to do it and you're good at it, go- I don't I don't see anything wrong with it. I, I, I think that it's I don't think really think it's a worth it or not analysis. I think it's a is it fun and, and, and fun to do for you? Yes. Go ahead. No. I don't know. Just don't <laughs> be just be competent about it. If you're going to swing your dick, don't have it be like an inch. It needs to be long <sighs> and heavy. <laughs> you know, I was going to say and and again that we're talking about nuance and that's uh, what this podcast is. But I'm glad I waited and didn't say that until now, because um, what you just said is also emblematic of our podcast. <laughs> just, let's just end with a huge dick do- dick joke. That's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> you should listen to us. But I think that's I think that's uh good. Like we we've really had fun this past year. I think yeah, it's been. Uh, I know I have. Uh, Nicole, I think you have as well. I really have. Yeah, and. We're hoping that year two of I Shouldn't Have to Say This is going to be full of more interesting topics and more things that we... Structure. 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 Outlines. <laughs> Nicole's actually going to have, like, notes and everything. Um, it's going to be crazy. Uh, <laughs> um, and I just want to end, like, so, like uh, a couple of my favorite episodes that... If you're listening to this right now, then I think um, would be really good to go back on episode one, Google Stadia and Broadband Access. Our first episode, I think, was really good. Um, we talked about language in the left. Uh, that was that was really great. I do think sectarian versus progress, even though that we have uh, some nuanced opinions, I think that was that made some good points as well. And the cartoons and representation parts one and two episode 19 and uh, 18 and 20 do you have any episodes that you think would be good for people to listen to yeah i liked our piracy episode a lot oh yes um, the piracy nintendo yeah. and piracy was a really fun episode yeah. for me personally because i just i fucking love crimes i fucking love crimes nicole 2020 i also i enjoyed the i enjoyed the writing with biden one not spiritually but because i was very aggravated and I feel like my deep-seated rage is resonant with our current moment. <laughs> so that was episode 22. Uh, 
so that was two episodes ago actually so um like I said, next in year two of uh, should have to say this, we're going to try to bring you more excellent episodes like that. Um, we're going to try to grow and uh, learn and uh, be better for uh, for all of you listening out there. So thanks. Thanks for thanks for uh, for listening to us. Yay! could you do like a could you do like a cheer like one of those like, yeah, 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 yeah. I can do that right now. <laughs> yeah. usually at the at the end of every episode we talk about things that have been making us happy in the past couple weeks um things that have helped us through this horrifying year um <laughs> but uh i think uh nicole wanted to talk about what is in the future uh, for for I shouldn't have to say this. What are you, what are your plans for year two? When we started this podcast, I was feeling very motivated to talk about some stuff that had been bothering me for a long time, and to add some of what I thought was nuance that was going unstated in the podcast community, uh, or not in the podcast community, on the online community. Now I'm gonna let you peek underneath the frock and know that I understand that that is incredibly fucking narcissistic. <laughs> um, <laughs> every like the 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 podcast is pretty fucking narcissistic. I mean, but I do the, the title yeah. it itself. I shouldn't have to say this. Our original title was "I shouldn't have to say this," but yeah, because it yes. It is like we are saying, and specifically Nicole is saying, <laughs> look, I'm I'm pissed that I have to say this, but I'm going to tell you. Yes, yeah, narcissistic. Please continue. Yeah. Um, and I'm just here to tell you that that's going to continue for another year. Yes. But I just wanted to acknowledge that I know that that's fucking narcissistic. Give the people what Whatever. they want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still going to do it. Um, so you can always find that here. Um, however... One of the things that I think that I entered into this not really anticipating was just how difficult it is to talk to my uwu anime uh, desktop and genre through Skype without any notes or an outline to go down. <laughs> um, I think that I've had an outline for about half of the episodes and every episode that I mentioned that I really like was one where I had extensive outlining for what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it. And the episodes where I don't say that are pretty fucking shit, in my opinion. I won't tell you which ones those are, because maybe you don't think it's shit, and I don't need to let you peek that far up my um, up the frock. Victorian century skirt. Mm. That you wear constantly. <laughs> yes, mm. all the time, yeah. every time I record. So what I'm going to commit to for this next year is, no matter what the topic is, I'm gonna write a fucking outline so if you notice a dip in quality uh or you have been frustrated with the uh level of organization of the podcast i'm here to tell you that i'm gonna try and do better this year and i probably will do it um probably <laughs> listen we're human <laughs> should be tough they i mean um, yeah so sometimes there are gonna be stories and they're going to make a lot of sense and be immediately apparent about what I mean. But one of the things that I noticed kind of as I was doing the stories is I got kind of bored of them. And the reason why I got bored is because I was kind of telling stories where I where I was um, burying the lead. I knew the answer to the questions that I was asking. I was just posing them to you. <laughs> um, and that feels specifically pretty fucking didactic and useless. So I might change up the style of story a little bit leave it a little bit more ambiguous try and lead uh lead your conclusions a little bit less or just i might tell you about a sandwich that i made or the process of pickling who knows i mean as long as it's related to the episode that's fine it will be <laughs> don't worry i th i think uh, on my side um, I'm going to continue uh, learning about about editing like the I think the 
uh, I don't know if any if everybody knows this, but the way that we make the podcast is we have a, a very specific division of work. Nicole comes up with topics and writes outlines and the stories, and I uh, take care of editing, making sure everything sounds good, and uploading things like that, backend stuff. And I'm going to try to learn more about about that, about uh, editing and making sure things sound good, and I'm going to try my best to start learning about where to advertise the the podcast and try to get more people to listen because i think we we both agree that this is important at least to us and uh the people that have heard it that have listened to the podcast have really enjoyed it like we've gotten a lot of feedback uh verbally through that so i think the um i think that would be yeah, that that's what I'm that's what I'm going to try to improve over the next year. Yeah, and I'm also for myself and not you, fuck y'all, is I'm gonna try and do some more topics that I actually want to talk about because I don't know if you know this or not, but a lot of these things really frustrate the shit out of me and make my brain wanna ooze out of my fucking ears. So I'm gonna <laughs> try to make myself wanna die less. <laughs> All right. <laughs> don't don't worry, I'm fine. I don't want to die. <laughs> so I think um year two is gonna be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, lot, um lots of changes. Yeah, and uh for the better. And um I think uh we're we're going to continue to grow and continue to improve and continue to try to bring you the best entertaining but also informative podcast that we can yep so uh thank you everybody for listening to i shouldn't have to say this uh, in our first year um like we said we are we are definitely going to be uh doing year two year two is going to be starting with the episode in september uh so uh watch out for that <laughs> get ready get ready um it's coming if, uh we will hopefully have more topics uh with links in the show notes so always check that out if you have any thoughts or opinions or suggestions or anything like that that you want to give us for the last year for ideas for the future for any improvements that we can do we would actually like to hear from you you can follow us on twitter at say this cast say this cast at gmail.com email us i i uh, answer all the emails i love it give me some emails and you can go to saythiscast.com to listen to previous episodes and in the next year i'm hoping that we can do some improvements to the website as well if you want to support the show especially you know those improvements to the website then you can go to patreon.com slash saythiscast uh there uh another improvement i'm going to be uploading the episodes earlier than a couple hours before it it premieres at 6 a.m every other tuesday so <laughs> if you uh become a patreon just at the five dollar level then you'll be able to hear our episodes early so check that out at the ten dollar fifty dollar like whatever levels we have it would really help us out our goal right now is to get nicole a mic stand and a pop filter we need it uh, so we would we like we're looking to do that. So uh, help us out with that. You can also go to coffee ko fi slash dot com slash save this cast if you just want to like donate like a bit to it. Also, our our all of our music is by Mustin, a great performer, a great musician. Uh, he has a vast library of music by him and his band, The One Ups. Uh, we are both huge nerds, and he uh, does a lot of video game remixes. A lot of the music that you hear on our show is remixed from different uh, classic video games. Our, our title song, our theme song, is called Forest Butterflies. It's from Chrono Trigger. <laughs> so that's by Mustin from his album The World Is Square. Uh, it'll be linked, or the 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 information will be in the show notes. If you want to buy that song and it's wonderful, then go to store.mustinenterprises. That is M-U-S-T-I-N mustinenterprises.com, and you can buy all any of the music that that we play. Nicole, where can we find you online specifically? You can find me on um, Twitter. I have a unique handle. You see, if you were to search, you could do at, and then you could say Jack of three trades. And that's three as in the number and not 
the the letters, if you put the letters, that will not be me. It would be the number. It's very specific. Thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> my handle is at press start lock. I'm also on Twitch. I do at least two streams a week on Twitch, twitch.tv slash press start warlock. We do political streams. Nicole's sometimes on there. And in the future, we're going to be recording some of our episodes on stream. Uh, so you can have comments and discussions like while we're, we're recording. It's really fun. You're too hype. <laughs> What'd you say? You're too hype. Yep. Yeah. You're too hype. Go, go. You're too hype. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I shouldn't have to say this is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network uh, to check out all of our shows, uh, this show, uh, Civil Politics. If you like this show, then you should check out Civil Politics, uh, Evidence Based Radio, uh, Press Start to Continue, the Press Start Pulse, all of that. Go to PlanetsidePodcasts.com. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we did that it. That is a long ass episode. <laughs>